name we have worshipped. Amen and amen. Good evening everyone. You are welcome to Thrive. This is God's favorite house and we welcome you especially to our Thrive this evening. Thrive is our Bible study which holds every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. and we welcome you especially. If today is your first time of joining us online, please give us a thumbs up and I'm sure the online pastors will be there to welcome you specially. We say a very big welcome to you once again. And we also want to invite you to join us on Sunday for our services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., which is both live and online and physical in church. Welcome again to everyone. So we began our study of the book of Hebrews three weeks ago, and it has been totally, totally amazing, totally amazing. In the teaching last week, we learned so much, one of which was the difference between disobedience and rebellion. It's quite interesting that there's a difference, you know, and we learned so much more. So I want to encourage us, you know, to please go back on YouTube and watch the video again if you missed it, or just watch it to refresh your memory, and God will bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, we'll be looking at chapter four of the book of Hebrews, and as usual, we will start by reading the entire chapter. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this is good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced through, his, through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Verse 8. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is still, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 
Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. May the Lord bless the reading, the hearing of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we'll just dive straight in. We'll take verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. You know, this, the, the book of the Hebrews chapter 4 is subtitled in the NLT as promised rest for God's people. Promised rest for God's people. Verse 1 and 2 says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. The, the Passion Translation, which I, I really do love, says, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm, of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. So picking up from Hebrews chapter, chapter 3 that we studied last week, we see here that there is a rest that God has promised us that we will enter. And the Passion Translation defines that rest as entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. Resting in confident faith. What's, what confident faith? What, what confident faith of what exactly? You know, like we learned on Sunday in the message, look up and don't give up, you know. We learned that faith is like a muscle. When you stretch it, it gets stronger. You stretch it, it gets stronger. So confident faith of what is the Bible talking about? Now, verse 2 tells us, it says, For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith to the, with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. So the confident faith is the confident faith of deliverance, the good news of deliverance, sozo. You know, it takes us back again to the message sozo. Deliverance, complete deliverance. The children of Israel had been promised complete deliverance, yet they didn't have faith enough. God had promised them, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk, flowing with honey, a land where you would not have to labor, a land where you would, it will be your own land. It will be your own land. You will not be afraid of the taskmasters, nothing. You will rest in your own land. It is a promise that I'm making to you. That's what God said to them. This is a promise I'm making to you. You know, and he promised them deliverance from bondage, slavery, but their faith could just not carry it. Okay, so let, let's try and picture this now. The children of Israel, you know, they had been in bondage for over 400 years. 
400 years of hard labor. They weren't laboring that, oh, I'm laboring to build a house, thereafter I will live in that house. No, they were laboring for others. They were laboring for others to enjoy. 400 years of weeping, 400 years of being flogged, 400 years of looking up to God, gross hardship, gross hardship. They lived in fear 400 years. And yet, when the good news, sozo, of deliverance, the great deliverance came, their faith couldn't carry. They doubted. They doubted. And remember, this is like a type of, this, the, the children of Israel in this picture, they are like, like a type of Christians. Prayed and prayed and prayed, God do this for me, God do this for me. And yet, the answer manifests and their faith couldn't carry it. But I pray that when the Lord answers our prayers and we see the manifestation, we'll have faith enough to carry it through in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, and this clearly ties into what Pastor shared with us on Sunday. He says, look up, don't give up. The children of Israel, you know, they had looked up so long for deliverance. They had looked up. They had, they had, they had prayed. They had prayed. They have prayed. And yet, when the deliverance came, they had given up. So I'm asking you, what is that thing that you've been trusting God for? Today is the day of the promised rest. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, so, and we see that because of the hardship that they had gone through, they kept doubting. They kept doubting about this promise. So, I mean, for me, a, a question popped up. Why did they doubt? These people had suffered for over 400 years. In the midst of that hardship, they had prayed. They had trusted God. So why did they doubt? Why did they doubt? You know, some time ago, um, I think Pastor shared a story of a monkey, you know, that was put in a cage with a, you know, like a glass ceiling over its head. Monkeys are known to jump, hop from one tree to another, you know. The monkey tried to jump and his head hit the glass roof and it came down. The monkey came down and the monkey tried again. The head hit the roof again. The monkey was like, but I see freedom. I see outside. Why, why am I jumping at my head? I can't, I can't seem to go past this level. And the monkey kept on jumping. The monkey tried and after a while, the monkey gave up. Just gave up like, okay, maybe I'm not even supposed to jump this high. Maybe this is the level that I should jump to. And then the glass roof was removed. Guess what? The monkey didn't even bother jumping higher than what it used to jump before, even though the glass roof had been removed. And that, you know, paints a picture of the situation of some people locked down and bowed down by the issues of life. And every time they try to lift their head, life's glass ceiling barricades their lifting. And they keep praying, Lord, break this yoke. Every day they lift up their head, they see the ceiling, and after a while, they just, they just stay bowed down and generally stop looking up to God for help. And this sometimes is consciously or, or unconsciously. They just feel that, okay, this is what life has brought to them. And you know, because their head is so bowed down, when God actually brings the deliverance, they still stay bowed down to their outlook of life. They stay bowed down. They're limited in their thinking. They're limited in, 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 in what they should actually be seeing about life. 
But we see in the world today, we see in the book of Hebrews today, that we should join our faith to the word that we have heard. Verse 2 says, for we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. They doubted. They doubted. It means that there is a depth in faith that is necessary to burst a change. There is a depth. There is a depth in faith that, you know, we need to bring ourselves to that will burst a change. And we can see that clearly in Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Matthew 21, 21. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. And this depth of faith, as we learned on Sunday, in the message, look up and don't give up. You know, it can be grown by being persistent in prayer because prayer stretches your faith muscles and makes it stronger. So there is a depth in faith that we can achieve by staying persistently in the place of prayer. Stay in the place of prayer, looking up to God, looking up to the one who is bigger than the situation that life is throwing at us. Look up to God in every challenge that the that life throws, that the enemies throw. Look up to the one who created all things, who is not limited by time or space. Look up to him, the one who controls all the powers in the whole of the universe. And he is able to do for us much more than we can ever think or imagine. And that will be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, you know, as our faith muscle is stretched, it helps us refocus on the sovereignty of God. It helps us refocus on the sovereignty of God. Remember the story of the monkey I shared earlier? The monkey had given up on itself, but it forgot about the God who made all things. You know, so when, when you stay in the place of prayer, your strength, you begin to see your frailties. You begin to see where your physical strength can get to. And you begin to refocus on the God who created all things. There is a God. He created all things, seen and unseen. All powers, all powers that is in existence belongs to him and to him alone. You know, and we need to adjust our minds to the fact that we have one. We have a God who is stronger than we are and is able to set us free. And Jesus Christ will set us free in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, and a lot of times when people cannot see beyond their problems, it's because of the bondage to sin. That is what bondage to sin, poverty, sickness, that is what it does. It just keeps the person's head bowed that God cannot help. God cannot help. But that is not true. That is not true. And that, that is so, so far from the truth. God loves us so much. He loves you and I so much. He loves the entire world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. He gave us Jesus Christ, his most prized possession. If God can give his most prized possession, why will he not answer you? Why will he not answer you? He gave everything, all that he had, so that we can be set free. So what is that challenge? 
what is that situation? Lift it up to God today and he will answer you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, delay is not denial. You know, when God says not yet, it doesn't mean no. It doesn't mean no. Rather, it is supposed to help us strengthen our faith muscles. And God will strengthen our faith muscles even as we stay in the place of persistent prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 3. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. For those of us who believe, I'm sorry, let me take that again. Verse 3. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. The Passion Translation now says, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For he has said, I was grieved with them. I made a solemn oath. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of, of the world. You know, faith activates the promise of confident rest. Faith, it activates the promise of confident rest. Your faith muscle makes you rest confidently, knowing that God has got your back. This confident rest, according to the scriptures, is the calming rest of God's spirit. The calming rest of God's spirit. Now, does that mean that all our, all our prayers have been answered? Does that mean that we can see all the manifestation of everything that we have asked God for? Or does that mean that all of our enemies, they are falling down and all of them have died? Does that mean that all the bills have been paid? Does that mean that issues of life have been normalized? No. What it means is that we rest in confident assurance that there is a God who knows the end from the beginning. There is a God who sees tomorrow that we do not see. And because he is on our side, we know that he's too faithful to fail us. You know, the songwriter says, he's too faithful to fail me. He's too loving to leave me halfway. What he starts, he'll always finish. And I've come to realize that God is too faithful to fail me. Yes, God is too faithful to fail. You see, whatever God starts, he finishes. When he began the work of creation, he walked six straight days and made sure he finished. On the seventh day, he rested after he had finished everything. When he decided to take the children of Israel out of bondage, he didn't stop. Despite all the things that they were doing, despite all the dramas, we want onions, we want meat, we want, we want everything that we used to have in Egypt. God didn't stop. He didn't stop until they got out of bondage. And when he began the redemptive work of Christ Jesus, he finished it, hallelujah. He finished it. So we serve a God who doesn't stop halfway. We serve a God who 
anything he starts, he finishes it. And he doesn't just finish it anyhow. He finishes it well. Because better is the end of it than the beginning. He starts and he finishes. He has the end in mind. He has your end in mind. He has good intentions towards you. And you know, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change what he has begun. He will complete it. And every good work that God has begun in our lives, he will complete it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that so amazing? Isn't that so relaxing and so joyful? Isn't that so amazing to know that we have a God that can do all of these things and so much more? Hallelujah. And guess what? Our faith in him activates this promise of confident rest. Look up. I don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. Rest on in his promises. Make those promises personal. You know, um, I think two weeks ago, pastor was sharing with us. I said, the word of God that you hear, you have to personalize it. You need to personalize it. Take it, make it your own mantra. Make it what you believe in. Make it Make it yours and say this word, it is me, it is me, it is my name. Put your name there. You know, I, I, I love he, Romans chapter 8. It's, it's, Romans chapter 8, it's amazing. It's such an amazing chapter in the Bible. You know, it makes us see the new life that God has made available in Christ Jesus through his Holy Spirit. You know, let's look at verses 15 and 16 of Romans chapter 8 verses 15 and 16 of Romans chapter 8. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you, instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. So his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We call him Abba Father. We call him Father. You know, as Pastor said, which of us, the child will say, I want bread, I will go and bring stone. It's clear in the Bible says, you want bread and I'm giving you stone. You want fish and I'm giving you snake. None of us as parents will do that. So how much more God? So how much more God? So how much more God? He, there is so much more in God. There is just so much more in God. And today, I call him Abba Father. Do you call him Abba Father? Because that's who he is. He is our father. And he wants to be your father today. And that will be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So let's move on to verses um, 4. To seven, it says, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in, in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. I'll read the Passion Translation. It says, for it says in the scriptures, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. 
And again, as stated before, they will never enter into my calming place of rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. For it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words, if only today you will listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts. So the place of calming faith rest, it exists. Not only does it exist, it is a promise that God has made to us and it is activated by faith. And the day to enter is today. If we look at the Amplified Classic Version of um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1a, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, today, today is that day. Today is that day to enter by faith into the calming rest of God's presence, into the calming rest of his promises. Today is that day. What is that burden? Okay, you have carried it for so many years. Has anything changed? Nothing has changed. Drop it at the feet of Jesus and enter into his rest. Drop it at his feet. Drop it at the feet of Jesus. He is able to carry it for you. And God will carry our burdens today in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, because the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is a promise of redemption to you and I. Whosoever believes, whosoever believes, whosoever believes. So come today with that burden, lay it at his feet. Just lay down, lay down at his feet and say, Lord, I lay down, I lay down, carry this burden for me and rest in confident faith, knowing that God is able to do much more than we can ever think possible in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So we'll move on to verses eight to 11. Now, verse eight says, now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them distress, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The Passion Translation says, now if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we seize from our works, from our own works, just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. Verse 11, so then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. You know, verse nine and 10 just nails it. It says, so we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works, just as God celebrates his finished works and rest in them. This faith rest life makes us cease from our own works. All the works done by flesh, we cease from them. 
We lean on God for grace. We lean on him for direction. We lean on him by faith. We trust God. We trust God. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. He never fails. He will never, ever fail. He will never, ever fail. God will never, ever fail you. God will never, ever fail you. So then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life. We must give our all because God can never fail. Just don't give up on God because God has not and will not give up on you in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe. It is a personal thing. Your faith in God is personal. It is not group faith. Yes, there are some times when, you know, we're down and we, we, we lean on other believers and they pray with us, you know, and we see the change. But God is saying to you personally today, believe in what I have said. Believe in what I have said. And it will come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This scripture is, it's so deep. You know, the Passion Translation says, for we have the living word of God. Hallelujah. We have the living word of God, which is full of energy. And it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit bone and marrow meat. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. The word of God is so sharp. It navigates bone, spirit, soul. The, the amplified classic version says, for the, word, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. The energy that the word of God carries is so much that it penetrates, it goes from the supernatural into the physical, and it does what it needs to do. <laughs> you know, well, a classic example is in the book of John chapter 5, verses 6 to verse 8. The book of John chapter 5, verses 6 to 8 says, when Jesus saw him lie, it talks about the man who, who um, had an illness. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another stepped down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. That is the living word of God. It speaks to the spirits the body, the soul, the bone, the marrow, the man who had been lying down there, his spirit heard the word, rise, 
activated the body that had been by the poolside for how many years? Pick up your bed. The brain got that message. He picked up the bed. Walk. The word went into his bone marrow. The same bone that had been dead by the riverside. The same bone that had just been lying down waiting for an angel to come. Stared the pool and then for another man to come and put him there. That word changed his life. The word made him come alive. The word pierced his very core, his very being, and made him whole. That is how powerful, that is how energizing, that is how alive the word of God is. There is power in the word of God. Speak it into the situation. Let it pierce through. Activate your faith today. Activate your faith today. Speak the word of God. Speak his promise into that situation. Because the word of God, it is sharper than two-edged sword. It penetrates not just the spiritual. It penetrates into the physical. This man was ill for so many years. Yet the word of God came and he picked up his bed and he walked. He picked up his bed and he walked. After how many years of looking for a man to help him get him into the pool when the angel stared the water. Who are you looking up to? Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the word of God. The word of God, it never fails. It never changes. It's not about to be downgraded because of the situation that you're in. No, 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 no. God's word is the same. It is powerful. It pierces through the soul, the spirit, the bones, the marrow, the sickness. The word of God activates and it destroys everything that is not of God. And the word of God will be activated in our lives and it will take us higher in him in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable. The Passion Translation again says, there is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render an account. Nothing is hidden. Every action, every action, every thought, everything is naked and defenseless before the living God. And it's to him that we must render our account. So think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about that thing you're about to do. Will it add value 30 years from now, 40 years from now? That thoughts in your mind, will it add value to creation? Will it add value to your life? Will it add value to the community? 10 years from now, think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about because nothing is hidden from God. Every thought, every imagination, every Every scheme, every device is naked and defenseless before the living God. Think about what you're thinking about and make sure that you're aligned with the word of God. And God will help us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Because the book of Proverbs 23 verse 7a says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you're thinking about is a picture of who you are. Your thoughts define who you are. You see, our God's thoughts towards us are of good and not of evil, to give us a future and a hope. So that defines who this God is, a good God, because he's constantly thinking good about us, to give us a future and a hope. So that is who God is, a good God. So when you stop and you think about what you're thinking about, 
It will help you define who you are or who you are becoming. Think good thoughts. That's what the Bible encourages us. Think pure thoughts. Think of things that are good, that are of good nature. And God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verses 14 to 16, moving on quickly, says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Again, I'll take the Passion Translation. Say, so then, we must cling, cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent King Priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our, in our frailty. For he understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent King Priest was tempted in every way just as we are and conquered sin. Verse 16 says, so now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weaknesses. Hold on to what you know to be true. Hold on to what you know to be true. So what do we know to be true? According to these scriptures, number one, we know to be true that we have a magnificent king priest, a high priest, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He is our high priest. That is the truth we hold on to. That is the truth I hold on to. That is the truth I'm encouraging you to hold on to. Number two, we know that Jesus rose into the heavenly realm for us. That is the truth. Jesus did not leave heaven to come to earth for himself. He came because of us. Hold on to that truth. That he, Jesus Christ came because of you and I, not a special group of people, you and I. Number three, Jesus sympathizes with our frailty. Yes. And number four, Jesus understands humanity because he once lived as a human. He understands temptation. He conquered sin. So what is that frail? What is, what is that challenge? Jesus knows about it. He knew that the in, even to the wedding in, at Cana of Galilee, wine had run out. Jesus understood, and he made wine. When the people gathered around him, after teaching them, he told the disciples, send them away now. Uh, the disciples rather said, let's send these people away so that they can get food to eat. Jesus said, wait, what do you have? Five loaves of bread, two fishes, I will feed them. He understands. He understands. Number five. We can come boldly to the throne of our gracious father where love is enthroned to receive mercy. Remember the Romans chapter eight, verses 15 and 16, we call him Abba father. And we don't just call him Abba father for nothing. We call him Abba father because we can come boldly into his throne room and receive mercy and receive grace. Number six says, we find grace to strengthen and help us in our time of weaknesses. Grace, grace, and number seven, we enter into his calming faith rest today. Hallelujah. We enter into his faith calming rest, that place of rest. We enter it into, we enter into it today. And today, every one of our burdens will be laid at the throne room and God will give us mercy 
where we need it the most in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we have come to the end of the teaching for today. Praise the Lord. So do we have any questions? Do we have any questions? Um, let me just check if we have any questions. Do we have any questions? Okay. Um, okay, so it looks like we don't have any questions. So I, I want to call out to you today as Jesus Christ is reaching out to you. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So what is that burden? If you're here listening and you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you today. Lay that burden at the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus lo le so this means that it is only Jesus that can make bad things become good. He can transform your life and he will transform your lives today in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we have Papi in the house. Good evening, sir. Welcome. Good evening. How are you? Very well, sir. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Um, we don't have any questions, but I have a question. Can I shoot? Yes, shoot. Okay, great. You know, um, just thinking about when we pray, and, you know, this is part of what you taught on Sunday, you know, staying in the place of prayer helps you to refocus, helps you to rearrange, this is my interpretation, rearrange the prayer point. How, how are we able to achieve that? Because you know, you're still praying for that thing. You still wish you want that thing. So by the time you're saying it will help you rearrange and refocus, that thing that we're asking for, it has been a burden for so long. I mean, can you shed more light on it? Because the struggle in that area. Okay, so um, I think the illustration I gave had to do with colors. So imagine you wanted um, a blue car, you know, and you are praying for a blue car. And the moment you stay in the place of prayer for a blue car, if what heaven has for you is different, your heart will begin to shift. The more you pray for a blue car, your heart will begin to shift and your perception will begin to shift that, um, it could be you are walking down the road, you see a, a pink car. <laughs> I say, oh, well, I think, I think it's actually a pink car. At that point, you are lying with heaven. Boom. You know, the miracles happen. So, does that help? Yes, it does. Let me begin to see the pink cars. <laughs> Okay, sir. Um, I don't know if you want to add um, more to the teaching. Well, no. I mean, amazing, amazing um, teaching. Thank you. 
Um, well done again. Thanks. So the crux is entering into God's rest, you know, and the burden of uh, us, a spiritual leader like Paul or Apollos, rather, that wrote this book, and God, our Father, of having paid for something and watch people not enter into me. You know, having paid, let's say you bought a house, then your children are staying in the garage and they are saying, well, because this house is so pretty, you know, um, we are unworthy of the living room. We are unworthy of the rooms. We are unworthy of all the chandeliers, the, the, the screens and everything. And you feel, garage is okay. How would that make you feel as a parent? <laughs> I mean, I would be so sad. I, it really, really paints the picture. It paints, it paints the picture of coming to this mansion that I've built and furnished. I say, no, I'm okay at the garage. I'm actually okay at the driveway. In fact, the driveway is very beautiful. Ah, oh no, that would cut deep, really deep. Absolutely. So that, that's, that's how it is done also, because you build the house. You, you cannot stay in the house by yourself. Is it's paid for this? It's something is paid for. It's not. It's not just for him. He paid for it for us. So whether it's humility, whether it's foolishness, whether it's ignorance, whether it's pride, whether it's whatever that's keeping us, it's not worth it. Hmm. Let it go. I just enter into the rest. If folks are beefing you for entering into the rest, well, let them stay at the garage. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I think I think the the, the stone zone bits of it. I mean, it's big, it's huge. You know, it's just a place where we are not in strife. Mm. Yeah. So well done. Well, thank you very much, sir. It's a place where we are not in strife. I I completely love the picture of the house that you just painted. I think in pictures, so as we are painting that picture, I was painting it in my imagination. I'm like, ah, I must enter that mansion. In fact, I'm already inside the mansion. In fact, I've chosen the room I'm going to be sleeping in and the living room, you know, and now we're arranging the place already. <laughs> thank Amen. you very much. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so I'll just prove her on the room right now. Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Lord, it is going to shine upon you. Amen. And be gracious you. Amen. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Every single day of your life. Amen. And so shall it be in Jesus' amazing name. We are prayed. Amen. 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 So, God's will be house. Remember, this is our year of lifting. And we are lifted. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Is it going to take to be a...